You're listening to the County Life Podcast with Chris Ridgway and Martin Johnston. County Live podcast is brought to you in conjunction with HiViz.net. Specialists in printed and embroidered workwear, HiViz clothing and personal protection equipment. Well, Jim Gannon, very good evening to you and welcome uh, to the County Podcast Live. It's the final training session, I think I'm right in saying, you've just had now before the start of the season. It's all systems go. How comfortable are you and ready to go? Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a difficult game, um, probably the longest journey. Um, one of the new boys who are always going to be really highly motivated uh, especially on their own ground um, so a really tough game um, but I think um, right from day one of pre-season we've had a fairly solid group of players um, a fairly well settled side we tweaked a few things and had a look at a few things but I think we're in a good shape now to, to start the season a lot better shape than I felt we were at this stage last year We're going to speak a little bit later on about this journey uh, you know it's such a long way to go on a coach and what threats Spennymore uh, kind of pose but before I go on to them I want to talk about our camp a few new faces in there a lot of the back line in particular looks very familiar how are you happy how happy are you with the recruitment that you've seen especially up front a whole new attack force yeah um, I think the it wasn't because we had the the joint best defensive record last year because that wasn't all down to the back four or the back five it was very much um, Lewis Montrose it was the work of the front players in terms of Funneling the opposition into certain areas, so but I, I still felt that um, the back players and the midfield players that we had and kept uh, offered us great value for money. I think uh, across the front line, I think we struggled a little bit with goals from the number nine position. I think all season last year, because of injuries to Adam Thomas and Adam Etches, we never really had a right winger. Um, John Marsden, who was prolific the year before for us, never really got going in the uh, ten role. So. So when you play a front four and you're, you're nine, you're ten and you're seven and not really uh, contributing and you're relying on your 11 to get most of the goals, then uh, although we've lost our 11, we've certainly rebuilt in other areas mm. of the team that I think gives us uh, the opportunity of goal, consistent goal threat from three or four different players. I really want to pick apart some of these new players and have a look at what they can offer and, and how it affects the team dynamic. And I'm, I'm going to jump straight into that. I'm going to start... Uh, with Jason Oswell up front, it's ultimately he's the man that's going to be leading the line, so to speak. We've seen him uh, scoring goals in Wales and he's played in the Europa League. He's well travelled for such a young man. How excited are you to see him in the league for Stockport County? Um, very excited because um, when I looked around our league, I was really, I felt it'd been really stale. There wasn't much quality, um, especially when you're looking for a bit of physical presence and goals. Um, that seems to be quite limited in our level. Um, and Jason's had a, a kind of a very colourful career, but the last three seasons he's been in Wales, I think he's matured tremendously. Been a, I think fifty goals in a hundred games or, or more than that. But this year, I think not only the goals, but I think his all-round performances have earned him the best accolade you can get from your peers, which is the mm. Player of the Year in Wales. Um, so, once to get that opportunity, I thought it was a not, not risky appointment, but it was a, an appointment that most people wouldn't have made. But I felt that. Um, if he's got the qualities that he has um, at that level, then I'm sure he can um, can step in at our level and um, produce what we've been missing, really, in a number nine. 
You mentioned number nines last season, and obviously the the big names there were Josh Amis, Kaori Odajay, and towards the end, Sefton Gonzalez came in. What does what what does Jason offer that we didn't see from those guys? He doesn't look he doesn't look at first glance. He doesn't look as big as those guys, for example. They were big units, but big strong lads, and he doesn't look as big as them. But I wouldn't say he's not as strong. Yeah, I think um, so. You know, you have um, different types of nine. I mean. Back in the day, we had the likes of Matty McNeil, who's a, a real platform player, a kind of target man mm. that you can bounce the ball off. And I think Kay and Josh Seamus and Sefton were very much like that. But disappointing with them is that you don't always get the um, the goal threat, either from crosses or from in around the box. And I think Jason is is a, a much more multi-dimensional player. He's, he can get between defenders. He's got great movement. Um, he'll score goals from outside the box. Uh, got a good shift of feet, so he can score with both feet. Attacks crosses low and high. Um, I'm, I'm really pleased with what I've seen and um, really pleased we have my board. And I think that's been shared by the comments of other managers from from league clubs who've been impressed with his contribution to us. So I think we've, he, that's definitely a huge improvement for us. Is the nine and um, you know, but like I said, the nine, the ten, the eleven. I think we've got three really good strikers. That um, for me, that I'm excited about watching them over the course of the season. Well, let's let's break down that attack force. Then I want to move back to the number ten role you, you mentioned there, Matty Warburton, a player who the fans are talking about. They're, they're excited to see this link up uh, with Jason Oswell. What does he offer? What does he bring for those for those of us who haven't seen any preseason and maybe not familiar uh, with the player? What what do you think he can offer, especially when linking up with the other players? Um, he was my first signing, but he was the first player I wanted to try and get in. Um, I think the ten in the modern game now is a, is a critical position. Um, a creator of goals, um, a, a player that can get you up the pitch, but also can cr- create and score. And I think looking at Matty's stats from last year, 19 goals, um, and the first half of that season was a, a bit disjointed at Salford. Um, and when he played as a 10 for Curzon, I thought he'd really matured. Again, similar to Jason at the age of 24, I think he's really coming good. Um, great turn of pace, uh, he can shift and run people. Uh, he can shoot off both feet, and I think we've seen that against Macclesfield, where he kind of just let change gears and, and shot with his left foot into the bottom corner, and he shot with his right foot into the bottom corner, and um, ended up with a hat trick. And uh, so I think that one game sort of he'd been a little bit frustrated he hadn't scored up to that point, but I think that one game shown um, that if we can release him between the lines and join the front two, then we're going to get um, plenty of goals. Well, the other new signing up front, of course, Darren Stevenson. Uh, it must be said he's got these big shoes to fill. Danny Lloyd last season made such an impression on the squad, and obviously he's gone now. Is does that put extra pressure on Danny's replacement, if you like? I, I don't think um, that he'd be feeling like he's Danny's replacement. I mean, Danny Danny was um, much more dynamic, much more um, more energy about him, and uh, a friskier player, constantly on the goal. Constantly, uh, Darren's a little bit more laid back. He's but he's still got that um, good turn of pace, that trick around the edge of the box. Um, you've got, we've got to understand that Darren has had a, a long layoff, so uh, it's going to take him a while to get going. I think he started pre-season off with the adrenaline, he got a couple of goals, a couple of assists, and I think he's struggled a little bit in the uh, tougher, tighter games as we've gone into the latter half of the, the pre-season. So we do have to be careful with him, but I think as um, a foil um we do need somebody close to Jason who's got nice touches and brings people into the game. Uh, so to have somebody alongside him and somebody playing behind him of the ilk of um, Matty and Darren, I think it'll be a, 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 a great uh, 
triangle of players, if you like, um, or Trinity of players that I think will really give us a threat. Um, Darren can pull out to the left and play in a front three, a more orthodox front three. Um, but his main strength really is getting between defenders and using his pace and his tricks mm. in and around the edge of the box. So um, it'd be a player that I think will, will show his worth over the course of the season as he gets fitter and stronger. Moving back down the pitch, uh, Jimmy Ball I want to turn the attention to now. I think a little bit unfairly last season. He got some stick from some fans. You know, We can't ignore that, but... I always thought he offered something he could chip in with goals. He was clearly athletic. And I think it's been mentioned by a couple of people over the summer. It looks like he's bulked a little bit. He's, he's he put a bit of muscle on there. What do you expect to see from Jimmy this season? Um, I think um, J- Jimmy, Jimmy last season, I, I think, uh, I just mentioned there about Darren Stevenson, Matty and Jason all being 24. And over the last two or three years, have really matured into players that really could play at a higher level than us. And I think Jimmy Ball's only 21. And I felt that uh, when he played for me at Northwich as a holding midfielder, he was excellent, um, covers ground great, aerially a fantastic screen at six foot four. Um, I think in the last couple of games, he's shown what I liked about him as a holding midfielder. I think last season we brought him in, I could only, because re- we had Lewis Montrose, uh, and likes to Gary Stockford, we tended to use him in a more attacking midfield role because of the, the lack of form from John Marsden and the lack of a right winger. We kind of use him either as a 7 or a 10 and sometimes ask him to play both positions to allow Danny Lloyd to play higher and more more central. So Danny had the kind of penetrative role and got a lot of goals for that. But Jimmy was the one that balanced off on the right. Still chipped in with plenty of assists from open play and from set mm-hmm. plays uh, and, he's, and, and has got a good goal in himself. So um, recently... Uh, I've been a little bit disappointed about the the gap that's, um, you know, we haven't got the quickest back four, um, so we're conscious that there is a bit of a gap that opens between our midfield and defence, and and often teams can, whether it be a 10 or a floating winger, we've conceded goals, you know, the Preston goal jumps out, um, and one of the um, Macclesfield goals where people are playing between the lines and causing problems. Obviously, Lewis Montrose has been a, a loss in that role. And I think Jimmy Bourne in the last couple of games has really shown his worth to the team in terms of filling that void. That That's meant in the last couple of games we've we've seen a, a fairly solid central midfield, but we've lacked that attacking dynamic edge from the attacking midfield because we've lost Jimmy from that role and Matthew Warburton, who was on you know, a, a works break, a school break. Um, so uh, it'd be nice to have Matty back in the team to get that player that, if you like, links the midfield to the attack. But at the moment, Jimmy's creating that um, that depth between our defence and our midfield, which I think is going to be critical for us keeping, keeping clean sheets. With that being said then, obviously Lewis moving on and players moving around and shifting into different positions and whatnot, does this give Jimmy Ball a real opportunity this season? In the same way Lewis Montrose really grabbed that position and that was his own position. Can Jimmy Ball now do that? Yeah, I think like, like most young players, Jimmy wants to to be the star of the team. He wants to, to get the accolades. And I think perhaps he, last season, he was, um, you know, I think we've seen the adrenaline flowing in the likes of the walking game where he really stepped mm. up and scored two goals. Um, but I think that that became a high pressure role for him. And I, and I explained to him that, you know, you don't have to be an all-action goal scorer to get a move. Uh, Danny Lloyd did, but the, our player of the year the last two years has been our number four. Mm. Um and I think that the number four in the modern game is a, is a, is a massive player. And I think um, if Jimmy can make that role his own, he could certainly find himself being uh, one of the contenders for player of the year. 
Um, he's got all the attributes to be a, a fantastic number four. And then when he opens his legs from that position and breaks forward, he's, he can be devastating. Yeah. And we've seen glimpses of that in these counter-attacking in recent games. Uh, Jim will still get goals from set plays because of his technical ability and his aerial ability. So I, I think um, Harry Winter and Sam Walker, um, they don't mind doing the defending, but they like to be somewhere in between the two roles. They like to play on the front foot. Um, so I have I had a chat with Jimmy Ball and Harry Winter and we changed the roles around and, and both seem very, very happy with the roles they currently have in the team. Let's put the, let's put the attention on Harry Winter then for a moment. Uh, it looks like he's going to be wearing the captain's armband, which I'll be honest, I, I, I kind of suspected that would go to Michael Clark, but you've, you look like you've gone with Harry Winter. What have you seen in Harry? I think, I think Harry's been a, a consistent captain wherever he's been. And Michael Clark was my captain at Northwich and um, not the typical captain, captain character you know uh, there's all different types of captains you know you've got your emotional leaders you've got your tactical leaders um i think harry's one of them sort of heartless leave and leads by example type players and uh, i was getting a little bit worried because as soon as i give him captain's armband and then the last couple of pre-season games i thought oh maybe that's a heavy burden for him and it's the kiss of death being the captain at this club um after mark ross's experience last year um but i, I think he's um he's a very very capable player um, like I said, leads by example, um, knows this level and knows what this level's all about. And I think he kind of epitomises the, the, the general qualities we need within the team to get out of this level. Just one final thing then on, on the midfield and looking at players in particular, because I think we know the defence and the goalkeeper quite well. You mentioned Sam Walker there, another new face, uh, another one jostling for one of those centre midfield positions. The fans who don't know him, what can you tell them about him? Well, I think all the signs have been required, but the one thing we didn't have last year, um, I mean, I've been a big admirer of Sam Walker from his Curzon days uh, when I was at Northwich, and he's, you know, he's had fantastic moves to Halifax and then Salford. Um, and being a consistent player, um, naturally left-footed, so he gives good balance to midfield, got a pass. I think as he gets fitter and um, a little bit more dynamic, I think we'll see him being a little bit more creative in the final third rather than just contributing with set plays. Um, but I think he's a he's a good player and he balances off really well across the midfield. Um, so and and the game with Steve O'Halloran, I think a natural left-footed player at central defence or in a in a back two or a back three, it gives the team a lot more balance. Um, last season we, we we tended to go down the left quite a lot, and it wasn't always to the to the benefit of the players in midfield on the centre halves because they were generally right-footed. Um, but that, no, I, I'm really pleased with all the signs we've made because they've all come into little holes within the team, and the team looks not complete. But the, um, or sorry to say, the team looks complete. Perhaps the squad isn't. Let's look at the season now. And you, you mentioned there the squad isn't complete. One of the questions I want to ask you in a moment is how do you complete this squad? How do you improve on it? Maybe a squad's never complete, I don't know. But before we go down that route, let's talk about the season as a whole. It's a big season for Stockport County. We've heard a lot of people say the seasons just get harder in this division and in any division, really. What do you see happening this season? We know that County want to be up uh, you know, in and around the top come the end of the season. How do we go about getting there? How do we do that? Well, we just go about the same way we went about last year. Um, we knew we needed to improve performances. I think we finished with 59 points. Uh, we knew we needed a minimum of 72 to be in and around the playoff zones. Uh, we got the 73. So uh, it was about breaking down percentages, uh, looking at clean sheets that we need to keep in games, how we need to perform against the lower teams, the higher teams, home and away. 
and I think uh, there was a lot of positives from last year, especially the um, amount of points we collected on the road. Uh, obviously, there's there's room for improvement in the terms of our home form. Not enough clean sheets. Um, perhaps that's because of compact defence is making it difficult for us or, or us not having the quality to break them down. So that's an area that we've been looking to improve in terms of our recruitment. But it's a long, hard season. I mean, um, we have improved our budget um, and that therefore brings a natural uh, anticipation of more points, more success. But then we've got to balance that with the fact that Salford have gone full-time and their budget's gone up considerably. Harrogate have gone full-time. Their budget must be gone up considerably. You've got York were full-time, probably with a national budget. Uh, Kidderminster full-time. Um, you know, so we've got five full-time sides, some some teams that know what it takes to be in the top ten. So it's going to be an extremely competitive division, and perhaps that's why the um, the league have decided to have uh, the top seven in the playoffs because mm-hmm. um, it will keep it exciting all the way to the end. Uh, from our perspective, uh, we're just looking to. It would be hard for us to jump another fourteen points like we did last year, um, but if we pick up another seven points this year, we should see ourselves in the top three. Um, but we'll be targeting uh, a, a big improvement. Um, we know whether you look at turning six draws into six wins in games where we've effectively given up uh, winning positions, uh, that's twelve points more. Mm. Um, you know, so uh, you, you know you can take each game as it comes. You can look at the picture as a whole, but it's all just about turning over the right amount of wins, the right amount of clean sheets. Uh, and I think we're well positioned with the, the sort of structure we have as a team defensively, the goals we have in it, even the set plays we've seen in the pre-season. They're all good threats and all go well for the season ahead. But statistically, um, we do need to improve how we perform against the eight, nine, ten other teams that are going to be there because that would be critical for where we finish within that top eight or nine and also be critical for how the success of any playoffs that we're in. And also would prepare us well for the way that we have to perform at the next level. Um, in that sense, I felt we needed better quality players playing a better brand of football, and uh, I think we've seen glimpses of that so far this pre-season. You mentioned a few uh, teams there who you're going to see as the strong performers, if you like, the teams with the bigger budgets, or your likes of York and Salford who have these full-time setups. And there's always a, a bit of a surprise package in there. I think everyone was a little bit eyebrow raised at Brackley last season in particular. I personally think maybe Boston will have a bit of a point to prove well, this Bo- season. Boston's but budget's gone up. Um, Brackley, um, Fylde couldn't afford a couple of their players, so that tells you a story about, mm. you know, the, the, the name doesn't suggest, but they have got a strong budget. I mean, we remember the days, Brendan Elwood, and you know, we, yeah. we, we've had um, somebody put money in and push the club along. Um, Brackley, Spenny Moore, um, you know, I mean, we all know about Fylde, we all know about Salford, Harrogate, you know, people that are putting money into it and really pushing the club along, and and um, the resources are, are far outweigh, um, if you like, the the general income of the club. Uh, there's no financial fair play at this level, but um, I think that somebody who's got a 200 crowd shouldn't be underestimated if they've got a, a wealthy mm. benefactor. We've seen in the last couple of years, uh, you know, your teams like Solihull and Fylde who have really gripped the top of the league and. And kind of run away with it. I know Fylde looked a little bit shaky at times last season, but ultimately they were the number one team from the, you know for the majority of the season and ended up taking the title. Do you see another team there this season, or do you think it might be a little bit more fluid up there? Well, I think what Fylde shows us is the, is the is the combination of financial wealth and full time football at this level. I mean, we're talking about Conference North, and 
And this is a club that um, invested heavily in its uh, training for structures and went full time. Um, now you could argue that he only got them eight or nine points more than last year, but that made the difference mm. between being champions and in the playoffs. Um, Salford are looking for that this year. York and Harrogate will be looking for that this year. Solihull Moors now is a slightly different one. Although they had a healthy budget, tactically they, they, they were one of the first teams to consistently use a 3-4-1-2 during last year. Uh, we considered that formation last season. Um, and I think we can have a look at Brackley and Curzon, who played that system. And they've emulated Solihull Moors in terms of, if you like, getting a little bit more bang for your buck from playing a system that uh, is a bit more, if you like, catches a few teams on the way. So the two teams that probably perform better out the top 10 than mo most expected would be Chorley and Brackley, although they've got healthy budgets. And they still performed a lot better, and I think that was down to the system. York play a similar system. There's talk of um, Salford using that system. Nuneaton used it against us. Curzon used it against us. Telford used it against us. Um, and I'm so surprised when Bolton Wanderers come to Edgley Park and play free at the back and Barrow play free at the back. So uh, I think Chelsea have made it vogue or Chile have made it vogue a couple of years ago. So I think it's part of the tactical um, cycle that 3-5-2, um, 3-4-1-2 in vogue at the moment. Uh, so we've been uh, very aware of having that formation in our armoury. We used it quite well last year against the likes of Brackley. Uh, Chorley, we beat them 1-0, Curzon at home. Um, so we have to be able to adapt to other teams and make sure that we're um, a consistently strong side that's uh, tactically adaptable. And I think if we do that, then we'll be able to compete with those sides that are trying to get one up on you mm -hmm. by using the different you know, tactics. But So in that sense, I think uh, we have to be on our guard a little bit against teams that... Um, if you like, uh, are tactically good, as well as those that are financially good. Financially strong. Let's move forward. You've you mentioned a couple of times uh, about strengthening the squad. We've seen uh, media come out of the uh, come out of the club saying Jim will be looking to strengthen his squad as the season begins. Where do you feel that strength is needed, and and how do you work on targets? Do you, there's, there's often names banded around, and we know that a couple of names are doing the rounds about players maybe returning and, and whatnot. But do you think it's best? to sort of not mention names until there's something to say? And and do you have those names in mind already? Or, or how does that kind of work from your perspective? Well, I've never been one to announce any signing. Um, okay, occasionally, um, if you might put in a seven days notes for a player and the other club decide to tell the world that he's mm. coming to us, there's not much we can do about their lack of professionalism. Uh, from our own perspective, um, I, you know, when I looked at the players we retained from last season, the players we wanted to recruit, it was quite evident that we wanted to recruit a 9, a 10, an 11. Uh, perhaps try and give Adam Thomas the chance to be the 7. Um, we needed a, a 4. We needed to kind of give, give ourselves options of playing 2, perhaps 3, or even 4 midfielders in a diamond. Um, and I think we've got that. Uh, we wanted to have a look at the balance of the back four or potentially a back five. So we've got two left-back options, we've got two right-back options, we've got the options. When you look at the Bolton game where we changed, if you like, the players that were on the bench came on, Sam, Scott and Smalley all stepped in. So the seven defenders, I think, have given us real good quality competition and depth. I think in midfield we perhaps lack an attacking midfield and up front. We lack, um, this is no disrespect to Harry Brazel, and George West, but the, 
um, they, they've all had a taste, and I think they could play at this level. But the kind of quality that we can attract, and the quality that we we really want to be getting into the side to kick us on, um, it's got to we've got to have more. We brought Ben McKenna in because of Adam Thomas's injury, and also to give us the option of width uh, in, when we play a back four. Um, but yeah, I, I think the squad's been crying out for another attacking midfielder and another attacker. Um, and then I think we'll have some good uh, competition uh, throughout the squad because I think the competition always keeps, you know, I mean, Jason's doing great, but there's no pressure on him from anybody on the bench. Um, same with Darren. Um, so I think we need uh, not just players to give them competition, uh, but we also need players that can perhaps give them a chance to have a, a recovery. I think we've seen that in the, the two toughest weeks of pre-season, the two games we lost. We're on the back of a Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday uh, schedule. I mean, when you're playing Barrow at the end of a week where you've had Macclesfield yeah. and um, Bolton midweek, then and we had the same issues last year when we played Saturday, Tuesday, won the first two games, but then looked a tired, um, lifeless team in the, in the third game in that week. So we need that depth. That's perhaps where the Harrogates and the Salfords and the Yorks have that depth from the financial back end, and Fylde probably had it. Uh, the resources to go out and keep, continue to stay strong. Um, so from our perspective is that we, we, we have to be mindful that we have any injuries, that we need the quality on the bench, the quality in the squad to come straight in, in a seamless sort of continual first team of, of, of top quality. You just mentioned Adam Thomas's injury there. Uh, just very quickly, before we carry on the talk about new signings and, uh, and whatnot, I think it's quite clear centre midfielder and attacker is, is what we're talking But On Adam Thomas in, in particular, last season he missed pretty much the whole season because of uh, an injury and it looks like he's picked up something in pre-season but maybe shed a little bit of light on that. Well, it's hard to, it's hard to be optimistic because the, the, um, the tests suggest a potential uh, crucial injury again which would be devastating news for, uh, for Adam uh, and also a massive disappointment in terms of having to reconstruct it and it, to, if you like, to break down. Um, uh, uh, we, we're sending him for a, a scan. Um, last season, we kind of the crucia didn't manifest itself the way it, it su suggested it would, and he ended up playing with it and actually scoring against Brackley and playing against Halifax. Uh, I, I think this time round we need to be cautious and, um, and like I said, get a scientific uh, diagnosis to, uh, conclusively mm -hmm. whether it is or not. Um, either way, I think he's going he's gonna to be facing a lengthy layoff because. I think um, it's about physical and, and mental rebuilding of confidence if he has any injury, and that could take quite a while. Uh, so we brought Ben in. Um, ben gives us that little bit of um, width, a little bit of pace, a little bit of the odd goal and assist. So um, we're delighted to have him in. Um, but like I said, that we still feel that we need one or two more players to add to that. Um, again, it's only when you lose the likes of Adam, you realise that you've really not got much else. You, you, you're down to playing non-contract or kids on the bench, and we, we certainly don't want to be in that situation. Uh, we do have the option of good loans, but I'd rather get good permanent signings that we can have for the whole season and also to develop and grow with us as we go forward. Do you think we're likely to hear anything anytime soon? I think we'll have um, a decision on... Um, one or two players tomorrow, um, but again, it's um, the delicate. Um, I think 
and been bombarded, been bombarded with phone calls from players from up and down the country, and I think we're finding that they've not been they've been brought back for pre-season training or they're trialling with somebody else and or the squad settled down at their club and they realise they're not part of the picture. So I'm being bombarded at the moment, but it, uh, I don't tend to take people that are thrown at me. I tend to go looking for who I want um, and that would be good personalities, good players that perhaps we know and we trust to do a good job at this level and at the next level. So um, I, I think over the next... 24, 48 hours, we'll find out. It could be a little bit slower in terms of doing the deals. Um, so I wouldn't be looking for somebody to jump on the bus Saturday morning to come and spend any more with us. Uh, if that proves to be the case, then great, but I, I don't think it will be. Mm. I think it'd be a question of going to spend any with the 18-man squad that we've been using all pre-season. And I think the first team we'll put out on the bench will be strong enough for us to, to be confident in getting the result there. Um, the issues will be when we have a second or third game in a week or we get an injury or a slight strain, we don't want to be asking people to, to work when they're tired or injured. Uh, we'd like to have some quality replacements to come in and freshen things up and, and give everybody a lift. And I think that's what we're looking for. August is a is a huge month in terms of the amount of games and the, the rapid fire succession in which they come. And some some tough teams, Harrogate, Salford and York, all in, you know, in, in the space of the first month of the season. And then before, when you got settled, you take your breath from them first seven or eight games. The FA Cup is upon us, and uh, you know we want to be heavily involved in that. So August and September are going to be huge months for us. Um, and like I said, we started a little bit slower last year, and the FA Cup impeded, if you like, our form in the league. Um, but we finished the season brilliantly. Um, you know, it's still hard to remember. You know, we only had one defeat in the last 26, 27 games or whatever yeah. it was. So fantastic form and. Um, we're a team that um, has forgotten how to lose games. Um, now we need to just learn how to win games consistently and uh, look forward with confidence. Well, Jim, it's, it's been great to get back into this Thursday night chat. and I think we've gone to real detail there on a lot of team and, and other issues. So just finally, before we wrap this up, it is the dawn of a new season. It is a, a time for optimism amongst the fans of every single club up and down the country. This is the time you get excited, and especially for Stockport County fans who are really going to be hoping that we're pressing come the end of the season and there's going to be a big buzz around the club. Just finally, what message do you give to the travelling blue and white army? I'd be, it'd be fantastic. I mean, I think it's going to be a great occasion. I mean, for spending more, it couldn't have been a better home game. You know, to, to get yourself on to the next level is exciting enough, but then to realise the kind of size of clubs that you might be facing on a regular basis. So uh, they're a good football inside. I think it's been a cracking match. And uh, I believe that, you know, most of the buses have been sold out going up there. So hopefully our lads uh, work extremely hard and put in a, a performance that our fans are proud of. But whatever happens, I think it's going to be an exciting open to the season. And uh, let's hope it's a, a very exciting season ahead because um, I know it's a long, hard season and it's very demanding for part-time players, but I think we've got a, a good group of strong uh, people and professionals that I think will serve this club well. And um, the backing we got last year, I think, will uh, serve us well as we move forward into what I believe will be a successful season. Tim, we wish you all the best as ever. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. <laughs>
it's a new one on the map. I've I've never been here before, and I'm with no disrespect to Spennymore. Uh, I did have to do a little Google of it at the start of the season when the fixtures came out because I didn't know where it was. It's up north. It's up in uh, up in Durham. I think I'm right in saying you are right in saying it's in, it is in Durham, uh, which is is quite away. It's not the furthest. We did a bit of homework before, but it's it's up there. It's yeah. not quite as far as Blythe Spartans, which is also up that way. Almost the same as Brackley. Almost, Almost. exactly the same. So. Yeah, which which is the other direction, of course. But uh, I've, I've been looking down the stats of, uh, of Spennymoor, uh, and a couple of times they've broke 1,000. They actually broke 2,000 in attendance, 2,670, uh, which somebody will probably you know t- correct me and say it was at a different ground. But they're capable of getting fans in. If they if they're hitting those those kind of numbers now, you'd imagine Stockport County going up to them is probably the biggest game. It might be the biggest game they've ever had. I, I expect them to, you know, bring a good following, and and you know, County are going to take some numbers. Indeed, and you think you you would think they'd be on a roll considering they've been promoted. So there's some impetus behind them. So therefore, you know, they they will carry on with the crowd that they got last season, and maybe a few more. And the fact that County will take a few first game of the season against a very big club. Should be a, a good game in terms, and should be a big crowd. Yeah, I think it will be. And spoken to a few people around the non-league scene, and they say Spennymoor might just be a little bit of a team to keep an eye on. They're going to be tough to break down. They're going to be a, not the easiest of teams to play against, as you as you say. They're a bit of a momentum uh, from promotion and bringing in fans. They're, they're just they're just not a nice team to kick your campaign off against. But you've got to face everyone. I just hope the team are not going to stiffen up on that coach ride. That like you say it's not the longest, but it's it's one of them. Yeah, and that's a you know that's a consideration, I suppose, for a, you know a team at this level. You would think you know a Premier League team. You often see um, City uh, Stockport Station, don't you? They get the train quite often. They must you know used to you know they must plan that you know what at what point they get the massage. You know they're not going to stiffen up. They get a massage before they get on the train. They get one went and then get to the club. But obviously, County can't do that. So uh, I suppose it's just a, a case of, as you say, hoping that nobody will and that everybody's sensible. You know? Well, they'll, they'll be planned sort of stops. You know, these, these things do happen. And, you know, especially with uh, the, the guy we've got sitting in the manager's seat, he, he literally plans everything down to the final tee. So you know that there will be plans for stops and walks around and stuff. But it's just with it being the first game of the season. Now, we know that Jim Gannon is very keen to, uh, to stress that there's... There's rarely any strain injuries, muscle injuries, things like that in, in any of his players. And you just think with the first game of the season, if it, listen, if we, if we were five, six, seven games into a season, uh, you know, and a bit of a rhythm starting being felt out, this is a long way to go for your opening game. And I just think they've got to treat this with a little bit of extra care and really make the most of these uh, rest stops on the way, if you like, stops at the services, you know, maybe do a lap of the, of the ground or something just to sort of, just to really loosen out. Yeah, do you think Jim will be pointing out interesting things on the route? You know, he'll be sitting on the mic next to the driver. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a tendency to be, uh, be a little bit of a joker from time to time. <laughs> he certainly had me a couple of times. But, uh, <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> but it's a long way to go. It's a long way to go. In a way, I know we just sort of picked our negative then about, you know, the, the lads signing up on the, on the bus, but you, you could potentially see a positive there. You know, some new faces still getting to know each other in some some respects. You know, training sessions and, and friendlies will help you sort of get over that. But nothing helps you bond more than a long car ride or a long coach ride, you know. So maybe there'll you know, be a bit of a chance for lads to play some cards at the back of the bus and play a few tunes and all the rest of it. And maybe, the, maybe if the spirits are good and they're all getting off the bus at the same time, a bit happy and relieved, that could work in their favour because... 
I think going back to what Spennymore brings to the table is this bit of a an unknown air about them and a lot of other clubs saying, oh, you want to keep an eye on these, they're tough, they're not going to be easy to beat. Maybe that sort of mentality of uh, all in it together and just meeting each other and you know what I'm saying? They're all bringing that to the table together. 100%. And I think, you know, and you look at last season, one of the things that served County so well, um, and a lot of people commented on it, was they were a really tight group of players. You know, they, there was a few occasions where, you know, Jim, they, they went out for a meal or whatever, and usually before it had been a three-line whip and it was really hard to get them to turn up. And they were turning up this time because they wanted to be with each other. So, but there's a few big names gone, a few, you know, big characters at the club. So, you know, to get that back together very quickly will be difficult. And that this will be one way of doing it. It will. And I have actually got together with the lads a couple of times over the summer. And it's almost like they've been together for years. You know, the, the crack and the banter between the guys is flawless. Um, flawless banter. Flawless banter, almost like you get with you and I on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it's, it really is amazing how well they've gelled. And I tell you, we, we, we credit Jim Gannon with that. And of course he deserves it. But... There is a time in the past that we've done this with teams gelling so well together. Uh, and in particular, I'm talking about Alan Lord's reign as the manager. When he when he took that, that spell as manager, that of course started so well. And we were commenting at the time, I remember you and I and, uh, and John on the radio saying, there's this, there's this togetherness in the players. And obviously Alan Lord and Jim Gannon work so closely together, they've got much the same ethos in so many aspects of football. And part of that is the gelling and it goes beyond when they're recruiting players. I can tell you after having so many conversations with the guys, there's not just football ability taken into consideration. It is this aspect of what kind of person are they? Are they likely to upset? Is this person, if they could be a great footballer, but are they likely to upset the dressing room? And if they are, then they're not coming in. So these guys who've, who've come down, they slot straight in, they get right in there with the group, and that will play into County's advantage, and it'll certainly help ease what could, in so, you know, and I'm sure will do, for some, some, some teams, you expect little bickering and arguments, especially if your season's not going so well and people are pointing the fingers at each other and you've got this horrible, big, long coach trip to somewhere you've never heard of. That could potentially get on your players' nerves and maybe not the players don't get off the bus in the, in the right frame of mind, where it's county. If they've got this frame of mind and they can... You know, they can sort of keep limber together, getting off the services and then getting back on and playing cards and whatever. That mentality, if, if it's boyish when they get off the bus and they can take that onto the pitch, that could really help for what could be intimidating, not by the numbers around you, but just because you're stepping into the unknown. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you could view it as, as a positive. These long trips are something you don't want. You'd rather not have them. So to get one out of the way early doors that's a bonus you know you, you've got to look at it in, the, in a positive way and I'm sure that's the, that's the way Jim will look at it yeah it's getting it out first because we know we've got uh, the, the other really really long trip or one of the others should I say Blythe but I'm right at the end of the season so, <laughs> so this is almost like a warm up session uh, for that and hopefully we'll have it all wrapped up by the time Blythe Spartan comes around yeah and the, the coach driver will have forgotten how to get to the northeast by then but the boys will be able to stock up on camping chairs and uh, road maps because there's what you always find in the service station shop overpriced <laughs> maps and, and fold out chairs yeah one quick fact I just saw on Wikipedia about Spennymore the town was created when the Earl of Northumberland uh, gifted some of the land to the Neville family and the Neville family are one of the big families that created Stockport. That's hence Neville Road School, hence, um, you know, quite a few things around Stockport called Neville. And I think the Neville family owned Bramall Hall for a while. And now they own Salford. And there you go. So, yeah, exactly. A complete, well, it could be the same family. They certainly act like that. <laughs> <laughs>
So we're going to do uh, weekly as well. We're going to do one to watch and a player of the week. So obviously I haven't got a player of the week, but one to watch in terms of you said you've been getting to know the lads, seen a few pre-season friendlies, you've talked to, to people around the ground. Who's your one to watch for Spennymore? Uh, for this week, I'm going to go with one of the new lads. I, I'm going to go with Jason Oswell. Now, there's a couple of players, uh, in particular the front three, really, who have brought a little bit of buzz and a little bit of excitement. Darren Stevenson... Matty Warburton and Jason Oswell have all had a bit of excitement come around them for different reasons. We'll speak about those in other weeks, and I'm sure they will be the players to watch, uh, you know, for future weeks. But for this week, I'm going to go with Jason Oswell because he's the guy, he's the number nine. You know, he's the guy that's going to lead the line, and ultimately, goals fall on his shoulders. Now, previous seasons gone by, we've had different players try that role, notably Kody, Oda J, Josh Amos, and then towards the end of last season, Sefton Gonzalez for a little while, and none of them. You know, they, whereas they offered certain things to the team and they were great around the camp uh, in many cases, ultimately the question that always you know, was kept, kept being repeated was where are the goals coming from? They're not scoring now. Jason Oswell, a little bit of a different player to those guys. They were your big units, if you like, you know, who could hold the ball up and your Danny Lloyd or your John Marsden could run off them. Now, of course, whereas the, the, the back line and even your defensive meal, midfielders have large, largely been unchanged, the attack force is completely new for County. So I'm going to go with the guy who's leading that line to be my one to watch. Now, he's not as big as the other lads, but don't let that put you off that he's not as strong because he's he's tough, he's durable, he's well-travelled. Even for a young kid, he's only 24 years old. Remember being 24 years old? <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> I absolutely can't. A long time ago. It's a long time ago for me. But he's, he's well-travelled and well-experienced for such a young age. He's played in the Europa League, played under Terry Butcher. He was a golden boot winner in the Welsh Premier League last season. Now, we don't need to go down the road of you know what quality and what level is the Welsh Premier League. The fact is he was on the pitch scoring goals. This week, we've already spoke about, about how it could be a bit of an intimidating place to go. You don't really know the territory. You don't really know what you're up against. You're just hearing these reports that these are a strong, tough team. You know They're going to be tough to break down. The pitch probably won't be the best quality. So your guy to lead the line is a young lad, 24 years old. He's played in the Europa League got a golden boot to his name he's going to be the one that gets you gets you that goal he's going to get you the 85th minute scrappy goal where heads have gone down if that's the case corner comes in goal line scramble he's the one that smashes it in for me so for this week Jason Oswell the man to watch and I'll tell you I'll tell you what the you know that many games under your belt. Those places, Colwyn Bay. You know the Colwyn Bay. You know that that's a they're a decent football team. Mm. So you know they won't. He won't have had an easy time as a centre forward in you know playing against in the in the Welsh league and good amount of minutes under his belt. I think yeah he he brings a certain kind of experience that that will do us really proud. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And when 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 you say you know we've got these other players around him who have just come into the squad. Uh, and we'll speak about those a little bit more in future weeks. And I'm sure in, in the review show, when we talk about what happened at Spennymore last week and so on and so forth, I, I expect those names to be brought up again. And I know in particular, Matty Warburton is a player that a lot of fans are talking about. He looks electric. He looks he looks the player that could be the link-up with Jason Oswell. You know, he's the number 10 to the number 9, if you like. So um, two to watch. Two to watch and the one to watch section. But the one to watch for me this week... The one I'm going to be keeping an eye on the closest. And I'm going to be watching, in particular, what he does off the ball. You know, I'm going to be watching what he's like running his defender ragged when, you know, when we're waiting for a corner to come in. Or what's he doing when Ben, H- uh, ben Hinchliffe has got the ball. Last season, 
We saw Danny Lloyd and Ben Hinchliffe, who had this relationship already. Uh, they knew each other really well. Every time Ben got the ball, Danny was off down the channel, often catching the opposition right back off guard. Ball will come over the top and you've got Danny Lloyd through on goal. That relationship won't be there yet between Ben and Jason. However, they will know the game well enough to they need to work on that straight away for a quick breakout. He's going to be the one that's jostling defenders. So what's he doing off the ball in anticipation for the keeper or the defence getting it? That's what I'm going to be keeping an eye on uh, on Saturday. So, finally, are you going to do your keepy-uppies? Yes. Yeah, well, before you do your keepy-uppies, what we're going to do every week, we're going to do a little prediction league. So we've got a little team. We've got, we've got me and you and Matthew, who also works on the radio show with us, yeah. and John Kieran, uh, our main commentator, and Sam Byrne from Stockport Express. Yeah. Um, so that's our little prediction league. First game, you go first. What's your prediction? I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go one nil Stockport County, uh, and I'm gonna have Jason Oswell getting the goal. Very very straight <laughs> very straightforward. Yeah. What's John? You texted John. What's John gone for? <laughs> well, this is where it gets a little bit samey because John's gone one nil Stockport County, but he's gone with Matty Warburton. Ah right, okay. Sam Byrne has also gone one nil. Right. He's gone Jason Oswell. And uh, Matthew's texted me and he said a draw one all because promoted teams are always ultra motivated for their first game up. I agree with Matthew, but I think um, I think County just just the way they finished last season and with the new players and from what you've been saying, I'm going to go for two one to County. So I'll take all of them except for Matthew. <laughs> you won't you wouldn't take a one all draw in a tough game in the first game of the season. No, no, uh, because when you look at the end of the season, two points could make a massive difference. They would have made a huge difference last season. Exactly. So you've got to take every game. There you go. Thank you, uh, Chris Rudroy, Jim Gannon's new assistant manager. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, let's do... So what we're going to do with your keepy-uppies? So I think I'm a bit of a keepy-up master, maestro, if you like. OK. So I think I'm going to lay down a benchmark now. Uh, and we're going to get a few players in over the season to come and join us on this podcast. We're just going to see which ones can beat the target. They're, they're going to have one go, like I have. So if they drop the ball or if they are unceremoniously nudged off it, if they start getting close to my number, then they don't beat the target. So that's it now. You're just going to do once and that's it? Just once. You're not going to... You don't want two and give them two? Nope. No, you've got once right now. Okay. Easy. Please prepare yourself. Please go to the challenge area. I can confirm that this is a fully regulation match ball. As Chris was telling me before, he... um, Yes, with this leg he's going to use, he scored a, the winner at Edgeley Park in a game over the summer yeah. uh, when uh, Jim nearly cleaned him out. But that didn't happen. Fortunately, he's still walking and we're going to go for the keepy-uppies right now. So start whenever you're ready. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 74, 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, 78, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, 100, 101, 102, 103, 104, 105, 106, 107, 108. 108. What's your record? 
Well, you <laughs> there you go, live on radio. Probably not great radio. Uh, pounding, well, we're not on the radio. This is a podcast. You're listening to us in the comfort of your home or on a train or in a car. And it's great to have you along. But uh, 108 we're going for? Yep. Stockport County players this season have to beat 108. We have to work out some kind of prize for somebody that does that. Something there won't that, be anybody. <laughs> <laughs> there won't be anyone. So we don't even have to worry about cobbling together a prize. But yes, well done, sir. I'm very impressed. Are you, st- are you able to speak? No. I'll lie down. <laughs> Go and have a lie down. <laughs> but uh, it's been great to do County Alive for the very first time. Uh, we'll be with you. Uh, we're aiming to have this out every Friday. We'll probably late Thursday night if you're around. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get it out. But definitely for you uh, every Friday. Uh, it was great to talk to Jim and great to look forward to the first game of the season. We'll uh, be with you again next Friday. Good night, Chris. Good night, sir. The County Live podcast is brought to you in conjunction with HiViz.net. Specialists in printed and embroidered workwear, HiViz clothing and personal protection equipment.